think we have any kids to let go, so I won't. Take your Bibles. We're going to be in a number of places. We're going to start in the book of Philippians, a really familiar passage in chapter 3. So today's the last day of 2017. It's the day that you look back and you say, I accomplished all of my goals for this past year, right? So, uh, <laughs> so is there anything that you want to accomplish still in 2017? You got a few hours. You know, if you get to work really hard on it, you can still clean that garage or that basement or whatever it happens, closet, whatever it happens to be. But uh, yeah, you do have a few hours that I don't know about you, but my, for me, I'm, I'm kind of over 2017. I say bring on 2018. Who needs 2017? You know, who needs it? I mean, after all, I think, wasn't the words of Jesus that said that any man who puts his hand to the plow and then turns around and looks back isn't worthy of him? Uh, he probably wasn't talking about New Year's Day, was he? Maybe not. Actually, we, we know that using our past mistakes to help us learn is a, is a good thing, but and uh, so as we approach 2018, I just thought we'd take a look at a familiar passage and see what it, it tells us in terms of uh, looking at our past and future. And we'll, So let's read together this morning from Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse 12, and we'll read actually through the first verse of the fourth chapter. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven." from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So today I want to just to take a quick look and focusing primarily in the first couple of verses that we read there. You ever thought about this? You know, people say that you, for those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. You've heard that phrase. You'd also, you know, hear, hear the, the statement that we need to learn from our mistakes, that it's important that we learn from our mistakes. But I want to ask you a question. In light of the fact of what Paul says here to the Philippian church, he says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So I want to ask you a question. How do you learn from your mistakes if you forgot them? It almost seems like there's a little bit of a, uh, of, 
what would I, what would you call this? An oxymoron being used here, or not an oxymoron? Well, yeah, it's just it doesn't make sense. It's like how am I supposed to learn from my mistakes if I forget them? And yet Paul's very clear. He says, "One thing I do. If there's anything I do, here's the one thing I forget. What's back there, and I and I look to what's in front of me. So how do we do that? How do we how do we how do we forget our mistakes?" And still learn from them. Well, I think that when we begin to put this in the, in the context of, of all of Scripture, I think we, we can come up with some, some, some ideas. But one of the first statements I want to make this morning is that you can't learn from any mistake you don't make. You can't learn from a mistake you didn't make. And so I want you to consider that statement from two angles. The first one is this. You have to admit you made a mistake. If you're unwilling to admit you make and made a mistake, you ain't going to learn from it. Why? Because you didn't make that mistake in your head, right? You probably had one of those situations where you and another person have had a little bit of a disagreement. They're pointing something out that they say you did wrong, and you say, I'm sorry, but I most certainly did not do anything wrong there. That wasn't the wrong way. That was the right way. And so, how are you supposed to learn from a mistake you didn't make if you don't admit that you made a mistake? So the first thing we need to do is we need to learn to confess our mistakes. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. The fact of the matter is, is that we've all sinned and we all make mistakes. Jesus himself said it in, in yet another uh, passage of scripture. He said what? All have sinned and... I'm sorry, that wasn't Jesus. That was Paul again. Romans. Well, all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Think about that. First step we have to do is we have to admit we made a mistake. That... You know, there's a reason when you go to AA, the first thing they want you to do is say, I have a problem. Because until you admit you made a mistake, you'll never learn from it. I mean, think of it. Why would you stop doing the right thing? You're never going to learn from something and change your direction if you believe that that's the, that's the right direction. So we find that honest retrospection is actually a pretty powerful tool. It's important that as we look at the last years, we do uh, and consider the things that we've experienced so far and the things that we've done ourselves, that we, that we look at that and say, you know, I fell a little short there. First thing to do is we, need to, we have to confess our mistakes. We have to admit that we made them because we'll never learn from a mistake we didn't make. And the other thing is this. If you're unwilling to step out and attempt something and be, if you're unwilling to do that because you're afraid of making mistakes, you'll never learn from those mistakes because you will never do anything. I was trying to remember who was, someone fairly recently said, failure, failure is mandatory. Where did you get that though? We talked about this. I, I think Richard Branson said it too in in. He's the guy that, he's a billionaire. 
He, he has that. That's something he tells his employees. Failure is mandatory. If you're not willing, if you are so... Fr- Jeff Be- Bezos? For Amazon. Yeah. Because he wants his, his employees to be thinking outside of the box. He wants them to be thinking far ahead, and that means they're gonna ma- they're gonna have you're gonna have some failures. You know the the one that we all like to pull out is how many how many light bulbs did Thomas Edison make before he finally got one? He was he was doggedly determined. I'll be honest, he made a lot of enemies while he was in the process of making that light bulb too. He wasn't a super nice guy, but he succeeded because he was willing to fail. You'll never learn from a mistake that you don't make because you're not willing to try. So we need to learn from our mistakes, but you can't learn from them if you didn't make them. So where where things that we can ask ourselves, where did I miss the mark this past year? Like we should all ask ourselves, did I miss the mark in my prayer life? Did I miss the mark in my devotional, my study life, studying the word of God? Did I miss the mark in terms of forgiveness? Is there, did I miss the mark in terms of some unrepented wrongs or unrepented sins? Those are all things that as we consider this past year that I think are important for us to do in order to be able to learn from those mistakes. You can't learn from mistakes you didn't make. Secondly, I'd say this, that 2017, and I understand we got a few hours left, but it might as well be over. It's over. 2000's over, 2017's over, but your life isn't. You're still, everyone here is still breathing, right? We're all still breathing. We're all still alive. That means, this simply means this. This side of heaven, if you're still breathing here on earth, there's more for you to accomplish for God's kingdom here. There's more for you to accomplish. It's an interesting thing that we discover a lot of times. You see it in the ministry of the church. I'm going to put on my pastor hat and tell you one of my peeves. We retire from service to God. We retire from service to God. And I was thinking about that the other day. Who has more time to prepare a Sunday school lesson? That young mother who's chasing four kids around all day long? Or me. It's probably me because I don't have any kids in diapers anymore. Right? This side of heaven, there's, there's, as long as you're breathing, there's more to accomplish. 2017 might be over, but your life is not. The reality is this. Says that also means we're not meant to dwell in any one place. We're always supposed to be moving forward. There is not anywhere in your spiritual life this side of heaven, that God says it's okay for you to park. It's always supposed to be in drive. It's always supposed to be in drive. Spiritually speaking, it's always supposed to be in drive. You're not meant to dwell in the place of victory in your spiritual life any more than you're meant to dwell in the place of failure. I mean, think about it. There was, a, there was a, from another familiar story from the New Testament. Jesus took a few of his closest disciples. We, call them the, we tend to call them the inner circle. And remember, he took them and he went up the side of a hill with them. Because he wanted them to see something. 
they wanted them to, he wanted them to see who he really was, if you want to put it that way. He wanted them to see that he was truly the Son of God. Do you remember that story? He goes up the side of the mountain. He takes them up the side of the mountain. We call it the transfiguration. When God opened their eyes for them to see the Son of God in all of his glory. And what's Peter's response? What's Peter's response? He so, you know, what's he say? It's good to be here. Let's build you a tabernacle. Now, some people will say that's, that's a reference to there was the Feast of Tabernacles every year, and every year they would build these little booths out of brush, and people would dwell in them for seven days. They didn't, they didn't stay in their normal homes. They, they, they kind of camped in these brush booths. And they, they said that's what probably was talking about. Peter said immediately, as soon as he sees this glory, this, you know, this, this glorious sight, he sees Jesus in all his glory, his immediate thing is that, oh, this is really a good spot. Let's just stay right here. But that wasn't Jesus' purpose for showing them who he was, was it? He wanted them to see who he was without the, the, the blindness of human eyes. Because he knew what was yet to come. It was meant so that in the days to come, when they saw him hanging on a cross, they would remember what they saw on the side of the mountain that day. See, we're not meant to dwell in the place of victory any more than he, we're meant to dwell in the place of defeat spiritually. It's meant that we're supposed to be in drive. The car is supposed, our spiritual car is supposed to be in drive all the time. There's, that, there's an old cliche that the moment you stop growing, you what? You start dying. It's a physical, actually a physical reality. We call it aging. That's another, that's just a nice way to say in the process of dying. Folks, that will happen to us spiritually. Think about it. I'm sorry, I'm a downer today, aren't I? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Pastor. Every morning when I get up, I'm reminded of that. Where was I, John? Sorry. <laughs> Folks, spiritually, we'll do the same thing. The minute we stop moving forward... And oftentimes, one of the most dangerous places for us spiritually is in a place of victory. Do you know that pretty much just as many people whose lives are changed permanently for the better by a revival, there's many who actually have exactly the opposite thing happen because they choose to try to park there. God doesn't just invest his Holy Spirit in us and pour his Spirit out in us just so that we can have a feel-good moment. And that sometimes tends to happen. We want to park here. It's good to be here. But if we go all the way back to when Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, he tagged on the purpose for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized with fire. But here's why. It's not so that you can just say, it's good to be here. 
Do you notice that we have no idea where the upper room is? You ever thought about that? If there were to be a bona fide, something people could witness where tongues of flames were dancing on people's heads, do you know what would, that, what would happen now, what I believe would happen in today's society? There'd be a giant church built there and people would come from all over to see it. We have no idea where the upper room is. You why? I think, the, I think the people who were in the upper room got it. They understood why they were being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why immediately after that we started seeing thousands of people added to the body of Christ. People started getting saved. Why? Because the people in that room understood the purpose for which they said, this is not for us just to hang out here and come in and get our good, our, you know, our good Jesus feel-good vibe here. It's for, to equip us to minister to those in the, in the, the, to the lost in the world. We're not meant to dwell in the place of victory, and we're not meant to dwell in the place of defeat. That's why over and over in Scripture we find that you're more than conquerors. You're more than conquerors. This side of heaven, there's always more to accomplish for the cause of Christ. So 2017 is over, but your life isn't. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 gives us some very practical advice. It says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's two things in that passage that I want you to see and to notice. One, it starts out by saying, let aside every weight. That's the first one. And then second, it said, and the sin. Those aren't actually the same thing. I don't think he's ta- I don't think the author there is referring to the same thing. The sin is not the weight. The sin is not the weight. The sin is more like something that has our ankles tied together. The other thing he th- I think he's talking about, he's talking about stuff we just simply don't need. Matt kind of went through a little kick in the, where the camping and hiking, he's still, he's still in it. And he likes, to, he likes to go hiking, and he realized quickly that everything that you take with you, you have to carry, right? And everything that you have to carry takes energy. The, hard, the more you take with you, the harder it gets, And so he started, he, he, he started looking for things on purpose that were light. Well, I need something to do this. But he started looking for the lightest version of whatever that happened to be, whether it was a little stove or a sleeping bag or a tent or a hammock or whatever. He was looking for the lightest thing possible because that everything he took he had to carry and that would weigh you down and it took energy and made your hike that much harder. That's exactly what I think the writer of the Hebrews here is saying. Let it, lay aside the weight. Not that they're bad things. Not that they're bad things. Four extra pairs of pants are not a bad thing. But I can tell you from personal experience, you can go to, on a week-long canoe trip and you only need one pair of pants. 
Because between my 7th and 8th grade year, I went on a week-long canoe trip in the Algonquin Provincial Park. I wore one pair of pants. They probably had to be burned when I got home, but I wore one pair of pants. I don't know what my mom did with them. They were pretty ragged. Lay aside. We've got to leave behind the weights. And those, those weights take a lot of form. Sometimes they're just things we simply don't need. There are things in our lives that we could get rid of. We just have them. You probably have something like that in your garage or in your closet or in your basement. I know I have multiple somethings that fit that bill in all of those places. Leave behind the weights, but that also means we need to leave behind the disappointments. Disappointments will weigh you down. We need to leave behind our failures. Though Our failures will weigh us down if we allow them to. Folks, mistakes are a part of being human. They're simply a part of being human. We don't, we aren't perfect. We don't have, we don't have the understanding or the knowledge to, to live perfectly. We miss things all the time. We miss things. Christmas Day in a text conversation with my mom, I missed something. And we showed up at her house for a chicken dinner that wasn't being cooked. Because she was talking about tomorrow. And I thought she was talking about that day. Is that why she didn't come to Arden? That's why. Well, she'd, she'd made, she'd, she made ch- fried chicken, but they made, she made it earlier. It, it's a long story. Just suffice to say, we showed up. She turned around and looked at me and said, I didn't mean today. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we brought food with us. So Cheryl and I got to cook our own dinner. On Christmas. But we had a really nice time. It was worth going. It was. It was a very nice evening. Mistakes are a part of human existence. We need to lay those things aside. When we carry if you carry them with you, you will never get anywhere. You know, it's one of the whole motivating things for weight loss sometimes that people will do. They'll they'll, you know, pull out a twenty pound weight, you know, and have you feel it and say, How would you like to not carry that much weight around? It makes a big difference, right? You realize, wait, whoa, how much extra I'm carrying around with me. And I have to carry that. Lay those weights aside. We, need, we do that oftentimes spiritually. We carry things around that we simply don't need to. So we need to lay those things aside. And that, that's, that's failures, that's mistakes. We need to leave behind our sin, the sin that so easily entangles us. It's difficult to walk when your ankles are tied together, Right? 2017's over, but your life isn't. So I would encourage you then, it's time to move on. Next year's a new opportunity. You know, that's, that's one of the great things. You know, 365 days a year, you get to wake up in the morning and have a brand new day. And the scripture says that every single day when you awaken, what's new? His mercies. God's mercies are new every morning. And 2017 is over and 2018 means you have another opportunity, another whole year should Jesus tarry to do something for him, to accomplish something for his kingdom. Next year is a new opportunity. And the truth is, is that you can use 2017 as one of two things. 
It can be a springboard or it can be a prison. That, that's really your only two choices. As you look back at, at the year before, you can either use it as something to propel you and give you momentum into this new year, or you can use it as something that anchors you to the past and doesn't let you move forward. It can be a, spring, it can be a springboard or it can be a prison. The reality is this, is that in Scripture, Jesus that said that the, he whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. And I think that he was talking about setting us free from the prison of past failures as much as he was anything else. The prison of sin. See, that's the thing, that, that's the thing about sin. It just imprisons us. So this morning, would you stand with me? I'm going to ask you, if you'd consider making four commitments for 2018. First one is maybe a difficult one, but I think it's important. Would you make a commitment to leave behind your grudges? Grudges are a prison. Grudges are a prison. When we hold things against other people, we do not in any way keep them from experiencing the joy of life, do we? Oh, it certainly has that, it certainly accomplished that, accomplishes that in our own life. Would you make a commitment to leave behind your grudges? Would you make a commitment in 2018 to restore the broken relationships in your life? I was watching a football game last night and they talked briefly about one of the young men on the team from Wisconsin, I think it was. Happened to be playing a bowl game down in, in Florida. And he decided that while I'm there, I'm going to go visit my mom. He hadn't seen his mom in 15 years. Such a joyful thing for him. But if he hadn't made the attempt... Now, he has a wonderful stepfamily, people who have cared for him and, and invested in him and, and helped him to achieve um, a high level of success. But he decided it's not worth it. I want to restore that broken relationship. Would you make a commitment to restore broken relationships in your life? Would you make a commitment to turn away from the sin that so easily entangles you? There's something in every one of our lives There's something, whether or not we want to call it that, it is sin. There's a lot of things that we don't like to call sin, (laughs) but that's really what they are. Turn away from the sin that so easily entangles you. And finally, would you make a commitment in 2018 to always be moving forward in your spiritual walk? Don't park don't park. Keep pushing. There's a Toby Mac has a song. It's pretty simple. Get back. You get back. You fall down. You get back up again. Fall down. You get back up again. Moving forward. There's no. There's nowhere in the scripture that indicates we're supposed to park until we get to heaven, and then we're going to park in front of His throne and worship Him for eternity. But while we're here, there's always more to accomplish. He doesn't mean for us to dwell in victory 
or to dwell in the place of victory or to dwell in the place of defeat. Both should push us onward to a deeper walk with him. So 2017 is over. But 2018 is just starting. What are you going to accomplish for the, for the cross this year? What are you going to accomplish for God this year? It should be exciting. It shouldn't be a... We shouldn't approach the new year with dread because all of a sudden we've got to, oh no, I have to go look at all the things I didn't accomplish in 20. No, it should be a realization that God's mercies is renewed. There's more for me to accomplish for him. What will you accomplish? What will we together as a church accomplish for, for his kingdom in 2018?